And a warm welcome from myself. My name is Christian, and um, I shall be uh, doing the, uh, the preach today. And I need, I'm going to start with a bit of a game. You ready, Matt? You look nervous, Matt Check. I did prime in, just in case you come for, as a visitor. A big warm welcome if you're a visitor, by the way. Um, I don't do this without telling people first. Usually, anyway. You could win a prize. So that's exciting. You come, to, come up to the stage. Did you know I, you had to do that bit? It's nice. It's nice. Very easy question to win this prize. Very easy question. Um, you might have to speak down the microphone though, oh, for people to actually hear. So I, I, ju I just 66 books of the Bible. Off you go. Sorry, what about them? No, I'm going to say. Can you just name five books of the Bible? Off you go. Just five books of the Bible. That's okay. easy for you. Uh, That's easy for you. Go on. Judges, Genesis. You're going with Judges first. Interesting. Go on. No. <laughs> One Peter. Two pieces, oh. one Timothy, two Timothy. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. All right, so there you go. You, you don't get to go off the stage yet. That's your prize. I'd like you to open it now, please, um, so that uh, everyone can see what you've won. There you go. All right, I'm obviously been making a fool of myself. So. Reading judges first. But there we are. Can you show everyone what you've won? It's no, it's, I, it was all I could find that I didn't need in my house. <laughs> Now, I, there's just one question. How, how, I don't, I don't know if he needs a toothbrush. So, with no, it was no slight on your teeth hygiene. Um, the question is, I'm not doing very well here, am I? Yeah, I'm the pastor of the church, I'm leaving. Right. Uh, you won't be for long at this point. No, that's what I'm thinking. Um, the question is, how disappointed do you feel right now? Me? I'm not bothered. You're not bothered. You're supposed to say you're disappointed with the prize. Oh, if you're not disappointed, you can leave. I was going to give you something better. I had a far better prize. Give him a round of applause, anyway. I should have primed the answer as well, shouldn't I, really? But there we go. Uh, so we are discussing today um, disappointment, dealing with disappointments, dealing with hurts, dealing with fears. I was hoping he was going to say he was disappointed with the prize of a, of a toothbrush. It's clean, by the way. Um, just so you know, I didn't just take an old one. Um, so you can use it if you wish to do so, which is nice. There we are, you know. So you're disappointed. <laughs> it's all right, don't worry about it. You can do with it what you want. Um, but anyway, has anybody, forget that, has anybody ever had a situation in life where they felt disappointed? Yeah, has anyone had a situation in life where they felt that things haven't worked out, they've been hurt by the way things have happened, that they've been hurt, or they've had an encounter with somebody where they've been really, really taken aback, and they've come out feeling anxious, you come out feeling fearful out of the situation. <laughs> that, can you relate to any of that? Yes, brilliant, because that is what we are looking at today. We're dealing with, dis how do we deal with disappointments? How does the Bible teach us to deal with disappointments? How does the Bible teach us to deal with hurts? How does the Bible teach us to deal with fears? Because this stuff is life. This is what happens in life itself. We are going to find these things happen. And um, what I'm going to do is um, use the, the life of Joseph in the Old Testament to do this. All right? So there's 13 chapters on Joseph, um, starting from Genesis 37 all the way through till 50. I'm not going to read all of them right now, um, but that can be your homework if you wish to go into that. Um, but I will do a quick summary, all right? And you'll have to believe me that this is all in the Bible, okay? <laughs> if you want to take me on later, then that's fine. 
So Joseph is one of 12 sons, and unfortunately, he's hated by his brothers straight off. They exclude him. He has dreams from God, but they don't impress his brothers at all. And they cause them to hate him even more. He's hated so much, in fact, by his brothers that they want to kill him. This isn't nice, is it? I don't think, anyway. Um, you can agree or disagree with that statement. Um, but they end up getting rid of him by selling him off as a slave in Egypt. Okay? So he goes off to Egypt and works in a person called Mr. Potiphar, we'll call him, um, and, and does really well for himself, all right? In, in his, well, as far as a slave can do. Um, so he's promoted to head of the household. So he's, he's, he's now actually in, he's responsible for absolutely everything that takes place. Um, so Potiphar is very, very happy with him. And Potiphar's household prospers under him really, really well. Unfortunately, if you know the story, Potiphar's wife makes unwanted advances on him. Um, and Joseph, um, Joseph makes his excuses and leaves. He doesn't actually want anything to do with it. But um, Joseph's, uh, sorry, Potiphar's wife lies about the whole situation. Um, and, um, and then Joseph gets ended up thrown into prison, even though he's been totally righteous. Even in prison, he still has dreams, and he still correctly interprets them. But still, he's given no credit for years on these situations, on these dreams, and he still stays in prison. He's tried to do the right thing all the time. He's still carried on with his gifting all the time. He stayed remaining godly all the time. But people all around him have mishandled him. People all around him have looked down on him. And pretty much it's not gone well while we leave the story while he's in prison. Now, if you want a spoiler, can I give you a spoiler? If you've read it, you'll be all right with this. <laughs> Thank you. It does end well. It does end well for the man um, because it, it does get promoted to king of Egypt pretty quickly, actually. It's not bad, is it? Zero to hero um, quite quickly. But we're going to return to the story where he's still in prison, okay? And, um, and I just want to have a look at this because I think it's fair to say at this point he's had his fill of disappointments and he's had his fill of hurts and he's had his fill of fears. And he's not Superman. Sometimes we read these stories in the, in the Bible um, and it's, it's like, oh, well, you know, he's Joseph. He was amazing. He had a technical dream coat and he was going to have a musical named after him soon. <laughs> he, he, he wasn't some Superman. Do you know what I mean? He got affected. He was a human being who got affected by emotions. He was a human being where things took place in his life, and they would have, they would have hurt him. So the question is, that came to my mind, what are the lies? What are the lies that have been fed to Joseph, not necessarily verbally, maybe just by the way people have treated him, um, until this time. So he's in, he's in prison still at the moment. So we're going to go through some of these things here. So I picked out four lies that basically have been uh, chucked at him, not spoken necessarily, maybe sometimes spoken, but just the way he's been treated. So the first one, the first lie, is that his brothers excluded him. If you've ever been excluded before, you know that doesn't make you feel very nice. And it makes you feel pretty much unlovable. So that's, that's pretty much the first one, that he probably felt quite unlovable amongst his brothers specifically. Um, secondly, his brothers mocked his gifts and silenced them. They saw them as contemptible. That's a nice word, isn't it? Contemptible, all right? And treated him as much, treated him as having nothing worthy of saying, that he wasn't important, that he wasn't somebody who could make a difference, okay? Just the way that he's been treated, just the way that they've silenced him, just the way that they've turned their backs on him. 
The third one is by Potiphar. Potiphar treated him as if he wasn't righteous. He hadn't sinned, but he was treated that way. So again, it's very easy, even if you've not done anything wrong, to feel that way just because of the way you've been treated. And fourthly, um, he was basically in prison for years and ignored in, uh, when he used his gifts even. So he wasn't even valued in prison very much um, in those times, specifically at least. So this is Joseph's life so far. I've stopped him in prison at the moment. It's not nice, but we're going to learn a lot from him in prison. Um, and he's watching his life go by. You know, year after year is going by, and it's not going well. It's speeding by, and nothing's changing. Everything's staying the same. He had massive hopes at the start of his life. You know, he, he had these dreams. He was going to be amazing. And then at the end, at this particular point in his life, it's not good. It's not good at all. So I would imagine, I would imagine, I'll speculate, he would be feeling quite disappointed, hurt, and afraid. And I would wonder if you can relate at any point of those lies, any point of those feelings, any point of those situations where has anybody ever made you feel worthless? Or has anyone ever made you feel small? Has anyone ever mocked you so that you feel like you don't count? Has anyone ever spoken down to you? Has anyone ever put you in a position where you feel like you've got nothing to contribute? Can you relate to any of that? Because I think that there's a, there's a lot going on. I think a lot of the time, one of the biggest things that we wonder is, do I have anything to give? And, and it's easy. If all we do is, and it's so easy, to, easy done, is we listen to other people to see how we are and what we're valued as, then we'll re receive that a lot quicker. If we've been silenced, if our opinion doesn't count by other people, then immediately we'll be pushed down, we'll not feel very, very good about ourselves generally. You may have used a God-given gift in the past. You may have done something and felt pushed back. You may have served God and it's not been valued by others around you. You may have had people in authority, parents, teachers, teachers are really interesting people. <laughs> <laughs> Who have spoken horribly about you, pushed you down. And, and, and people in authority have got a massive, massive, massive um, kind of power, really, because they can push us down or they can raise us up. They can encourage and empower or they can push down by literally not listening and not put, uh, silencing a lot of the time the things that we want to contribute. Does that make sense to relate to that? Yeah. There's so many situations that we can find ourselves in where in the end we fear to step out, we fear speaking out again, we fear serving again because something has happened in the past. Something's gone wrong in the past. And every single one of us, I feel, has had that happen at some point. Every single one of us has had something happen where people have not believed in us. Amen? Where people have turned their backs and said, no, there's nothing worthy of you. And if we take that opinion on, if we take that off people, then in the end we start to believe it. But there is something far, far greater inside every single one of us than what other people value us. And we've got to have that on the inside. Because unfortunately for them, for their point of view, and fortunately for us, there is something worth of gold inside every single one of us. Yep. And it's getting the whole angle on what it is. Because it's important that we don't listen. It's important that we don't get our value off what people say. And we get our value off what the word of God says. Now, I'm going to go through a few truths that bash out a lot of these lies straight away. But we will return to Joseph 
as well as we go through this. But number one and number four, that we're not loved and we're not valued, is immediately bashed out by John 3.16, which I think is a, a scripture that a lot of people know in any case. But I'm going to read it out again. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him and not, will not perish but have eternal life. All right. Sometimes when you've read a scripture so many times, it becomes a little bit like, well, I know it. But we have to ponder on this. We have to really drive out of it what it's talking about. Jesus himself loves us incredibly, so much so that he prepared, and he did, he died for every single one of us. That's a massive thing. But he valued us as well, hugely. That's your value to God. That's what you're worth to God. That is how much every single one of us is worth to God, that Jesus would die on a cross for every single one of us. You are not worth what the person who speaks badly about you says. You are worth what Jesus says. And if Jesus is prepared to die for us, then that's a massive worth. That's something that we cannot possibly even understand. That's limitless, isn't it? The creator of the universe thinks you are, and he's created you, thinks that that's who you are. And that's what we've got to get on, side, on the inside of us. And the only way to do that is to keep pondering again and again and again. He values relationship with each and every one of you, with each and every one of every single one of us, so much, so much that he sent Jesus to die. So much that he, he brought us into an eternal relationship through the sacrifice of Jesus. This is an essential truth. that We, we, we mark our entire have belief and faith on this because this one piece of information, this one piece of glorious fact is the one source in which we can know that we're loved, we know that we're valued, we know that we're important, we know that we count for something. Because if that happened, if that really did happen, then that means everything. Yeah? If somebody dies anyway for him, if someone in the army did that, you'd think, well, that's, that's love. We're talking about God choosing to do it Predetermined, He wanted to do that to bring us into relationship. That's an amazing, amazing, amazing truth. And I will continually go on to it. He loves me so much that he died for me on a cross. That's amazing. Absolutely amazing. The third one, you're not righteous. Okay, that's a major, major one. You may go, well, I feel I'm all right. I've not done anything too bad. This one is a real sneaky one. Because who, can you tell me if you're righteous or not? How do you feel about that? Who here is doing really well? How do you rate your righteousness? A little bit of nervousness there. There we are, more. There we go. That'll do the job. Romans 5.17 says the following. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, even greater, is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Righteousness is a gift. That's it. We are not, and this is a very dangerous game, we are not more righteous some days and less righteous other days. Now, were you with that? You know, I didn't pray as much today, so I'm less righteous today. It doesn't work like that. You can't impress God more by being, doing more and more stuff for him um, or serving him. Loads. It doesn't make you more right with him. 
And likewise, if we, do, if we sin a bit or a lot, you aren't still losing your righteousness. It's a dangerous game, this, that I speak now. Is it heresy? It's not heresy. It's in the Word. Righteousness is a gift. It's a gift from God. He never takes it back. It's not something where he gives you a coat of righteousness and he says, I'm going to take it off you and if you get it dirty. Right? You're gifted it. The very core of your being is righteous. Therefore, you just want to walk righteous. You may still sin. You may still make the odd mistake here and there. But the very core of your being now wants to be righteous. The very core of your being now desires righteousness. The very core of your being is empowered to be righteous. Every bit of you now is inclined that way. And yes, it's a walk. It's step by step by step. But... That is the way we are now rewired on the inside. New creation, new heart, new mind. Does that make sense? Gift of righteousness. It's gifted to us. So if we get into the mindset of, I've had a bad day with Jesus today, or I've not done something right today, and you're feeling condemned, that's your go-to verse, really. You're righteous. You're righteous because of Jesus. You're not righteous because of anything you've done. You can't boldly come before God because of anything that you've done. You can't enter the presence of God because of anything that we've done. It's everything that Jesus has done for us. Amen? That's a huge, huge truth to really get on. Because it's so easy to value things on our performance. I've performed really well for God. I've not performed really well. It's nothing to do with it. It's all to do with Jesus and everything he's done. And the third, I've gone out of order a little bit deliberately, because the second one was you've got, the second I was that you've got nothing to offer. Well, that's a load of rubbish as well. And we'll just go very briefly into this. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20 to 22 says this. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Every single person has a role to play in church. Amen? Every single person. You need the church and the church needs you to fulfill its mission on the planet. Yes? Every single one of you, every single person is involved with this process. Every single one of us is involved in the Great Commission to go out and to make disciples. Every single person has a role to play, whatever that role is. And you will know your gifting. You will know uh, that. You will know what stirs on the inside. But it can feel difficult to want to do anything if you've been hurt or made to feel that your contributions are not valued. Yeah? And so this is the battle that's going on with Joseph at the moment. This is where he's at. He's in prison, and he's not really going very, very well for him. So let's have a little look. And the Bible gives us frustratingly little on how he actually dealt with his disappointments. But there's one verse that teaches us a lot. Genesis 39, verse 21, says the following. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him his faithful love. So he's in prison. And that's what God does while he's chucked in prison. He has this time where, with God, where he knows God's presence. He knows God's with him. And he's having revelations of the love of God. And it's that which heals his heart. 
It's that which gets him to stand up strong again. It's that which deals with the disappointment. It's that which deals with the hurts. It's that which deals with the fear. How many times, I don't know, this has happened to me so many times when I've been feeling low, when I've had a bad situations happen, and I've turned to God, and in those times, I found him especially close. It's been so much easier to turn to God. It's been so much easier to enter his presence when it's been a time where things aren't going well. Yeah? So many times, I have, the quickest times I have grown in my awareness of the Holy Spirit, in my awareness of his presence, are when things aren't going well. Because it's either Jesus or nothing at that point. You need him the most when things are going poorest. Yeah? Don't you? Yeah, you need him the most when things are all going wrong. And that's when I've grown the quickest in my awareness of God's presence. And when things start going well, my awareness of his presence doesn't disappear. It's just a season of more rapid growth. It's actually, they're marvelous things to... It's why the Bible says, count it pure joy when you go through trials. It's not like there's a sadist right in it. Yes? It's good because you become more aware of God. It's good because you lean on God. You become more dependent on God. So Joseph had revelations of the faithful love of God, and it was knowing his presence, it was knowing he was loved, that healed his heart. It drove out all fear. Effectively, Joseph let God into his heart in this time while he's in prison. Joseph let God uproot the lies. Joseph let God help him forgive those that had hurt him while he's in prison. And through this process, Joseph could hope again. He was in prison for a while, but it, it was that whole process, that journey that he'd gone on there in prison that had made a massive difference because it's the love of God that satisfies our souls. It's the love of God that generates us to love God back. It's the love of God that causes us to trust him. It's the love of God that causes us to endure tough times. It's the love of God that causes us to never give up. It's the love of God that helps us to be filled with his power, to be leading us into a place of holy living. And if you don't know why I'm getting all that from, I can give you the scriptures. It's all in there. All of that comes from the love of God. All of that comes from knowing he's loving you. So in prison, through this process, Joseph comes back to God's word over his life. Joseph starts to hope again. Joseph starts to have faith again in his future. Because even when we are in prisons, not of our own making, even when we are in that position, as we dwell on the presence of God, as we dwell on his faithful love, our hearts become healed. Amen? Wherever you find yourself now. Now, it doesn't take much longer, and then Joseph was freed from prison and uh, fulfilled this incredible call over his life. But as I, I, I just returned to the church briefly in this. Every single one of us has a role to play. Every single one of us has a gift. Every single one of us has a position to play in building the kingdom of God. We're all called by God. We're all loved by God. We're all valued by God. We're all massively important to him. We all have a unique purpose to fulfill the calling that is on our lives. We all, regardless of what others may have said to you, 
regardless of how others may have treated you, God still believes in you. Amen? And that is always the truth. I believe in you. As your pastor, I pray for you. And I get to see, as I pray for you, what God sees. And believe me, God believes in you. All right? And I believe in you because I pray for you. I've seen what he sees, that you're a strong people, that you can handle things that are chucked at you. And you may feel that that's not you, but God knows you can do it because it's his Holy Spirit living in you. It's his power living in you. It's his actual strength that takes you through absolutely everything you have to go through. And this is important. We're all empowered by God's Holy Spirit to make a massive impact with our lives, in our communities. I will always talk about the vision of the church being it to intentionally build community, to intentionally transform community. And it's only possible by the power of God. It's only possible by the Spirit of God living inside of us. So the more and more and more, it has to be him that does the job. We want to see people saved. We want to see people restored. We want to see people come to know Jesus, make disciples, see people lived in such a way where they're filled with faith, where they're knitted into the church family. And, and this vision is down to the entire church doing its job. Yep, it's not down to one or two people doing it. It's down to every single one of us moving together and pulling together in the same direction. Amen? If you want to make a lasting change with your life, it can only be done with Jesus walking alongside you. That's the only way. John 15, it's the only way possible. So it's trusting him and it's allowing him to do all that hard work. So how do you apply? For those that have fallen asleep, this is where you come back. How do you apply it? Um, this is it. Focus and dwell on the love of God. Focusing and dwelling on the love of God heals the heart, heals the bits where we've been hurt, heals the bits where others have looked down on us because we start to see ourselves the way he sees us. We start to understand who we really are rather than the people that may have thrown down spanners at you and not, not seeing you for your true potential, not seeing you for who you could be. God sees you for who you could be. So focus on the love of God. Focus on his presence. Rest in the presence of God. And let his Holy Spirit heal his heart, heal your heart. Just say yes to him. Let him in. Let him close and allow him to minister into you. And also consider how God may be calling you to make a difference for his kingdom. What is he actually talking to you about? What is he saying to you right now? What is he saying that it could be for you? What? <laughs> allow, allow him to take your ceiling up. Allow him to, to take you from there. I could do that much, so actually, with the power of God in me, well, it's limitless. If God was to tell you to do something extravagant right now, all of a sudden you'd pray a lot more. If God was to speak to you and say, I want you to start a fill in the blank, you would start praying. If, if, if but so, so often we have the limit, we have the ceiling at this level. We, we have this ceiling here, and we say, do you know what? In my own strength, I could do that. If he said to join the student team, well, actually, I could probably do that once a month, or I could do that. Well, say he said something far bigger than that. I'm not doing down the student team. I'm not, but say, say he said something. Say he told you to start a ministry. Say he told you to start some evangelistic 
programmed somewhere out there. Say he said something massive. How much would you start praying then? Allow him to lift the ceiling. Allow him. Because it's other people's opinions and judgments that push it down and say, I couldn't do it. God doesn't say that ever. Direct by his call. Be directed by his voice. Listen to what he's got to say, because his voice is the one that will breathe faith into that which needs to be done. And the kingdom of God comes by faith. So make sure you're listening. Make sure you're knowing what he's doing, and let him lift that ceiling. Okay. Um, if I could have the band back up, that would be great. That would be brilliant. I've already said that Jesus died for our sins. I've already mentioned that we can be forgiven, that we can enjoy that eternal relationship. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's one that brings God's peace. It's one that brings God's hope. It's one that brings God's joy into our lives in a brand new way. And in a moment, I'm going to pray. In a moment, I'm going to uh, ask you to uh, listen to this. And you may find yourself in one of the following three categories. You may find yourself in very much... Um, in one of these, and I would like you to have your best listening ears on at this point. So can I have every head bowed, please? Um, and then I'll go through these three categories. The first one is that you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That you've never been a Christian, and you would like to make this day the day where you begin your relationship with him. The second one is, you used to walk with Jesus, and you'd like to reconnect with him today. And the third one is, that you're not sure of your salvation. That you're not sure that at the end of your life, you'll be going to heaven, and you desire that certainty that Jesus offers. Now, if you relate to any of those three, then please pray along with me now and repeat these words out of your own heart. Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I ask you to forgive me for all my wrongdoing. And receive me as your child. I commit my life to you now. Amen. With every head still bowed, could I ask you to raise your hand if you just prayed that prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Brilliant. Thank you very much. Lord God, for those here today, I pray that you'll help them to know your peace and your presence, know your incredible love that you show us. You pour out your presence right now and help people to enter into the most wonderful relationship so they can be assured of their salvation.